Welcome back to the Golden Wong Show. I'm Amy Kaur, Executive Vice President of Culture and Agent Development at what is now officially At Properties, Christie's International Real Estate. And I'm here with our podcast namesakes, Mike Golden and Thad Wong. Without a doubt, 2021 was a big year for At Properties. We expanded locally and nationally. And now we're on the map globally with the acquisition of one of the most prestigious luxury real estate brands in the world, the aforementioned Christie's International Real Estate. Today, we're going to talk about that, plus some of Mike and Thad's predictions for the 2022 housing market. Michael and Thaddeus, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Amy. It's so beautiful and wonderful to see you. I know. We actually are seeing each other, right? Live, 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 because I just had COVID and I am safe. (laughs) As far as he knows, or he's still a super spreader. We'll find out soon (laughs) enough, though. Right, right. Oh, boy. All right. So it is a new year. We actually just had a great uh, meeting this morning. And so I wanted to talk about the new year. And we always talk about resolutions, right? So I wanted to see if you had any to share with us before we dive in. I had the greatest resolution. I wrote it down on January 1st in the morning when I woke up. I had thought about it and I wrote it down and I looked for that piece of paper right before this podcast because I knew you were going to ask that question. I couldn't find it. You can't find it. I can't find the paper. (laughs) I don't remember what it was. So it's a winner. It must have been that good. It was great. I must be so (laughs) successful at it already. I don't even remember what it it. is. I did it. (laughs) So that was it. Done. Check. Ready for the year. I was just going to resolve to do what Thad did, so I guess I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Did you have a resolution this year? Yeah, I don't really sit down and make a resolution. I'm, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, and I'm not working out so well. I'm trying to not bitch about the weather in Chicago when it's gray, because ah. that's the one thing I complain about too much. What and, I have, actually, let me ask you something. What do you benefit from complaining anyway? Any type of complaint, where do you benefit? Well, I make myself feel better. Generally. You feel you feel better when you complain. Yeah, I'm getting it out. I don't think that's physically possible. I'm getting it out. <laughs> you honestly feel positive when you complain. I didn't say positive. I said better. I'm getting it off my chest. I'm putting it out there. So you're, you're projecting it onto other people, and that makes you feel good as other people's suffering? Well, now you're making me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you make it sound like you never complain. Complain about what? <laughs> Nothing. Life's great. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Peaches and cream. There is nothing to complain about. Yeah. Okay. I recorded a couple of conversations that night out of the holidays. So <laughs> we are all going to do better to have a positive mental attitude. We're all hoping to get through and over with COVID this year, which would make, you know what I'd like to, I'd like to resolve that at some point this year, I won't have to say the word COVID in a day. <laughs> All right, so we figured out resolutions. We're all set and done for 2022. So let's talk about what has been going on here. Shortly before the holidays, App Properties acquired Christie's International Real Estate from Christie's, which is the world's leading auction house, right? The Christie's network has over 100 affiliates currently and is in nearly 50 countries. It makes it the biggest investment in our company history. So let's talk about this. Flashback 2000, you were sitting at the coffee table on Fulton, maybe, with maybe two other at properties people other than yourselves. Not even Fulton. We were actually in a temporary office space where Thad and I basically like <laughs> whacked each other with our elbows because the room was so narrow. Yes. Oh my God. Could you have ever imagined at that point in time? that you could say now that the company has gone global. You know what? I think that if we could have said that, we would have never set our expectations high enough, right? Because sort of like if you can, you don't think like that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we didn't think luxury. We were entry-level, high-rise development, 
condos. It was a very youthful organization. We were 30 years old. We were innovators in an old industry, but we weren't thinking about coveting uh, international luxury brand. We were thinking about changing the market in our own landscape, in our own geographic region. That's where our focus was at. And I think we set our expectations and our goals as as we evolved. I remember when we opened up our first office on Fulton, which was actually in, in uh, earlier, mid-2021, and I remember being terrified of how we were going to fill the 3,000 square feet we had there. Right. Like, you know, that was that to me was like a daunting task. Um, so, you know, I think we took it in pieces. We can, I will say, and I think Thad did an incredible job of this over the years, always set high expectations for us to hit. But then when we hit them, we would then set new high expectations and we keep moving on. But we never set them so high that they were so unbelievably unrealistic. Right. Well, it's interesting. It's like, you know, your aspirations grew you know, kind of organically, I just think as our similar to how our company has been. And I think where your heads were at 20 years ago, what you weren't the same people as you are today, you know, so I don't think you would have been able to attain it in the same fashion. And the only part of the same, like I can remember the same agents we put in those first offices and Cron, Lisa Madonia, you know, I remember exactly what it felt like filling those offices and building those first relationships that established the foundation of that properties. And I think not being too far from that, that clarity of understanding irrelevant how, how big we get, that it all really only grows from that seed, that relationship side of it. So as long as we don't forget the value of the, those around us uh, and those relationships, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, and I think when we talked about the whole idea of Christie's and this opportunity coming together, it was like, you know, we had talked about it being like the two of you going on the largest listing presentation of your life, which it really was at the time. And when you think about Christie's, whether it's auctions or real estate, you know, what does the brand mean to each of you? For me, I can easily talk about that. The brand to me is aspirational. And it also reflects now innovation. I think they've done a phenomenal job of being the traditionally the most luxurious auction house. And over the last couple of years, the most compelling with the sales of the Beeples and their commitment into the NFT side of it and being a part of blockchain. Um, that to me has been fascinating. So I've only gotten more interested in Christie's over the last couple of years. I completely agree with Thad. And the thing I'm most excited about is I see Christie's as the ultimate luxury brand as it's been for 250 plus years that everyone recognizes as being there and being, I don't want to say old school, but being old and established yet also being forward thinking, which is kind of like the way that we've tried to be as a company. You know, we've tried to be the established company, but we've also always tried to be cutting edge and looking to try to get better and realizing that we need to evolve. Christie's is doing the same thing. They're evolving in their own way. They're evolving through digital art and NFTs, and they're trying to be on the cutting edge, even though they have the the base of being this old world world, true long-term luxury brand. So that to me, it's, it's the perfect blend. And for us, it was the perfect match and the perfect marriage. In my opinion, it's really the best offering in real estate in the entire world. And we can say that very easily because of what we've accomplished from the technology side and what we've accomplished from the marketing side. Nobody is doing that better or has created a better solution as of yet. And we still feel like we're just beginning. So now being able to wrap it in a brand that's recognizable around the globe, we're able to offer the strongest advantage to the best independence in every geographic region. There's no area we can go to around the world which doesn't recognize and feel more comfortable with Christie's. 
And I think that's exciting because App Properties, while we were such a well-known brand locally, that was one of the big things is not everybody knew us everywhere. Now that's shifted. And so I want to talk a little bit in, in terms of tangibles for our agents. You know, what does the acquisition mean for our agents at App Properties and how is it going to benefit them? Well, I think first and foremost, it's a it's a huge add-on to the already strong brand that they have. I mean, at properties, particularly in our marketplace, is the brand leader. But now you take the brand leader in the Midwest market and you add in the top luxury brand in the world. It's to me, I said it before, it's sort of like the perfect match. Um, so it really just provides more credibility, more strength, and more um, confidence I think our agents can have when they're out with their clients. And it's going to give their clients a tremendous much more confidence in working with us. And let's be honest, Sotheby's was the greatest acquisition of Realogy's history. And Sotheby's has taken the market by storm over the last 10, 15 years. And when you really look under the hood, which we do, we pride ourselves on our competitive intelligence. We can probably answer questions about all of our competitors' technology as well, or if not better than their CEOs. That's how much time we spend. And they're offering, they don't offer a technology. They don't offer much in the way of marketing. And so really it was the brand, in my opinion, and local leaders that allowed them to have such enormous success. So from our perspective, even the, the Sotheby's listings, the luxury links, listings they get locally, it's not because of their technology, but it's about their international network. So now our agents are able to immediately plug into an international network with international exposures, but they have all the things that App Properties had built, which to make App Properties number one. So that's what I mean by the marriage of both. It's like this beautiful wrapper, but when you uncover the wrapper, there is the best technology solution. There is the best marketing solution. There is great integration and distribution of content and impressions for homes. There is great access to clients. We now have access to the best and the wealthiest clients in the world. So I don't know what we could add on to it that's currently available in the market internationally that would improve what we have right now. And then there are some pragmatic solutions for the agents, things like uh, a much broader uh, referral network. We now have both national and international referral opportunities, which we really didn't have before, not, not at the same scale that we do now. Um, there's also a really unique two-way referral system in that Christie's will refer buyers and sellers to us, but we can refer our clients who want to sell art, sell watches, sell wine through their uh, network, th um, through the auction house, and, and they can actually receive a, a commission or part of the commission from uh, making that referral. And then there's just purely the, uh, the scale that we now have. I mean, we've, we've really really upped our game from a scale standpoint where, you know, we were part, we've been part of some great networks. We continue to be part of le leading real estate companies of the world, which is a great international network. But Christie's is truly a special and unique network for our agents to be a part of because of the um, luxury brand recognition and, and just who Christie's is. All right, so I think it's safe to say that Christie's is one of the world's most recognized luxury brands. And coincidentally, 2021 was a record-setting year for luxury real estate. So what does the luxury market look like in 2022, both in the United States and internationally? Does it top last year? That's an interesting call, and I'm interested to hear what Mike has to say. You know, I'm seeing a race to the top in luxury right now. And when you look at things, that's usually the beginning of an end. When you see people aspiring, aspiring, and spending more and more as if it's irrelevant, 
it doesn't last forever and cycles are really important and we're very much preparing for a down cycle right now. We always want to be ahead of the curve. So it would surprise me if 22 was better than 21 luxury. I would bet against that. Um, and I would bet that we really topped out in 21 to a certain degree, not everywhere. You're going to have different climates that experience different demand based on supply. And Mike might disagree with me because of supply issues, but I have a feeling that if we're not at the top, we're near the top. I guess my take's a little bit different. If you ask me that question about the market as a whole, I agree with that entirely. I mean, we are, if we look at the, the market volumes, and we're a heavily volume-driven business, the market volumes over the last two years, we're up so much from where we were in 2019. It's just not sustainable growth. So there has to be some cyclicality to it, and I think it's going to happen now. And it may be driven partially by uh, lack of supply. But on the luxury side, I feel like there continues to be so much wealth created in the United States and internationally, and there continues to be so much demand for luxury properties and you know and unfortunately with the continuance of the covid issues people are looking for second and third homes and and looking and willing to pay more and more for these properties i think 2022 could be as strong a year as 2021 on the luxury side i could be wrong um it's rare i know but i could be wrong <laughs> um no but I, I i mean you know i i wouldn't bet the entire farm on it but if you ask me i think that there's a reasonable chance that we continue to have a very strong luxury market because the things that are going to affect that market i don't think are going to come back down to earth in 2022 i think there's some other things other parts of the market like i said we may have some uh, a little bit more um reality setting in but the luxury side of the market to me still feels very strong for particularly that very high-end, very unique type properties. I agree with you. And I think like Uber luxury because they don't care about interest rates, right? Because they're usually paying in cash. Or but they care about net worth. Yeah. And net worth can change dramatically. People feel start feeling wealthy if they get 20 30% more on paper. But the way they feel and the way they spend is never matched by what they try to save or stop spending when they have a 30% correction. So people are counting the money that they see on paper right now. And that's why people are walking around feeling so wealthy. My bet is that a lot of those people will not feel as wealthy. And by then you'll see a lot of people dry up. And even when I look at a lot of the luxury side of it, which low inventory, I feel like there is enough inventory and people are starting to price things so exorbitantly high that rational buyers that are affluent sooner or later are going to take a break. And like yeah, I said, we, it's fine. Like we are going to be here forever. We've been here through two different downturns. We've excelled during the great depression or the great recession. So I'm not afraid of it. And in some ways it's, we're looking forward to it to a certain degree because it'll help us expand. Um, but you know, the reality about brokerage companies is if you didn't make money last year, you'll never make money. And so companies that are in that position right now, coming towards a downturn are going to have a world of hurt. So, all right. So let's talk about 2022. Let's talk about some of our predictions. Uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge agents will face in 2022 and how can they overcome it? I think that's easy. I have had so many conversations with agents towards the end of the year that say, I'm going to be up 20%. I'm going to be up 30%. I want to double my business. And I heard those exact same conversations in 2006 and 2007 and 2008. I sent out an email about this over the holidays when I was reflecting on it. And that always scares me where people feel like it's easy. And because if you ask them, well, what are you going to do differently to grow your business in 30%? Their 30% growth is a lot, especially if the wind is cooling. So a lot of them don't have the answers. They'll say, I'm just going to work really hard or I'm going to lean into this. They might not actually even be expecting to spend more. 
And so that side of it, I think, is going to be frustrating for some agents that 2021 might be the biggest number they saw for a while. And it's not going to continue to grow. And so if they're expanding their life based on the ease of that growth, that's going to be a rude awakening. And somehow, no matter what, every 10 years we go through this and everybody forgets what it was like 10 years ago. And it's sort of like it keeps on going, keeps on going until people make excuses up for why it's going to keep on going. Like people are just so wealthy because of the greatest wealth transference in the history of our country. When people start making those types of excuses for the last five inches, two feet, et cetera, the peak of the market, that's when you got to be aware and you have to start preparing. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? I feel like we have such a short memory. I mean, yes. real estate has been a cycle for yeah, the great recession, centuries, when, you know? us in the industry that worked through a great recession can talk about it, but it's unbelievable to me when I talk to some of the exact same agents that were desperate in 2009, you know, we need to always remember that and never forget that and always prepare for that. I mean, I, yeah. And I, the only thing I have to add is, you know, if, if your business was up less than 50% from 2019 to 2021, you were down to the market. And I think that's the one perspective a lot of agents sometimes don't have. They have to realize the market, both good and bad, helps drive our business. Good agents will overperform the market, no doubt. But the market still drives. If, you're, if, if the market's down 15% and you're flat, it's a victory for you. But if you think you're going to grow 20, 30 percent, if the, and, and we do believe that the market, from a volume standpoint, at least, is going to retract this year. I just don't think we're going to have the same level of volume. You can't sustain that kind of growth long term. We saw it happen. We saw 05 peak, and then the trough in 11. We were down by two thirds. So I don't. We're not predicting anything like that. But even a five or 10 percent volume correction has a real effect on people, especially someone who's going in, going, I'm going to go up 20%, I'm going to be up 40%, I'm going to be up 50%. You just have to be realistic. And if the, we haven't seen the massive inventory issues that other parts of the country have seen in the past. I mean, California at one point had, you know, days of inventory. They couldn't get volume because there wasn't inventory. It wasn't that the people didn't want to buy it. They were just, the sellers weren't there. If our inventory levels fall, we don't have the inventory that we think we need. There's nothing you can really do. So, I think you have to be very aware of the dynamics of the market and you have to be prepared. And you, as you know, Thad said, you have to have a plan. You have to have a marketing plan. You have to have a business plan and you have to implement it. And you have to work that much harder when there's headwinds in the market. And I can't see how we're not going to see headwinds. Maybe 2022, we don't. Maybe 22, uh, 2022, we continue to run through this great market. But at some point, and it's not going to be more than a year or two, um, we're going to see headwinds. And I think you have to go into that with that mindset and really be prepared and double down on, on the things that you have done in the past. If you want to continue growth, in some cases, if you just want to continue where you're at and just have a more realistic picture of where we're at. I mean, I'm not trying to, I don't want to make people like freak out because we're, none of us are, <laughs> none of us are freaked out about it, but it's just, it's being realistic. People have had the best years ever in their lives the last year or two in real estate. That doesn't mean you can't continue to do well, but you have to realize in a cyclical business, there are ups and downs. And we, we have to be the voice of reason and have to make sure people are hearing that and preparing for it. 
Yeah, I mean, but better to get real right now in January as opposed to July yes. when somebody wakes up and says, this year doesn't seem like it's going right, so well, right, <laughs> right? right? But I also think that agents need to benefit off of, you know, at least draft off of the success that you did have. You know, if you had an extraordinary year in 21 and you doubled the amount of clients that you, you know, got into a house or helped them um, sell, then that's that many more people that you can be in contact with this year. So it's like, just look at your database, how much you added to it last year and just get to work. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the the business is always the same. Right. It's about getting in front of as many people as possible and showing your value. So they want to work with you. It doesn't matter what market you're in. Correct. And, the and if you're not complaining, as we talked about <laughs> early on, then there's nothing wrong with a down market as long as you're not going to complain about it. Yep. You actually can really take advantage of a down market oh, yeah. because the reality is the majority of people won't react. They will they will not know what to do. They will not have their plan in place. So to us, you know, while no one no one looks forward to a down market, we know we can take advantage of a down market and we can help our team take advantage of a down market and excel. And to us, it's all about overperforming the market. You cannot control. If the real estate market were down 50%, then you, you can't control that. And if you're then down 2%, that's a huge win, even though it doesn't necessarily feel so good because you haven't gone up the 20 you thought you were going to go up. I just think we have to be prepared. But, but being prepared is a good thing. <laughs> Mike just got a leg cramp. Oh, my God. Can we keep this in the podcast? <laughs> Please cut that. <laughs> Oh my god! I like I like pulled my leg back like behind, and then all of a sudden my whole like hamstring just seized up. <laughs> Dad's looking at you like he doesn't believe you. <laughs> I think he just didn't know what to say next. I'm okay. I'm all right, everybody. I'm okay. All right. So, I mean, I think the big message is we got to kind of be ready for whatever this market might bring us. And I know one of the big things that we are starting to hear a lot about is artificial intelligence. It's actually a really hot topic in residential brokerage right now. So at the end of the day, Thad, what do you think the value of AI is? So we're figuring that out right now internally. We've launched a beta test for the last few months for our newest AI initiative called MoveScore which integrates with our agent CRM to give them an idea of which customers are going to be moving within the next 12 months. Now, I'm not sure if this is sustainable. What we're showing is 60% accuracy. So that type of data existing with ex you know, your basic uh, uh, clientele list is going to create an unmeasurable level of, of efficiency. So from that perspective, I think it's great. For people that are relying on AI for cold lead side, I don't think it'll yield much except for those that are producing the leads. Like anything, leads are like scratchies. Agents overpay for them. So they might be the real winners. But if you can apply AI to your database and your organized CRM, that might be the best thing we'll come up with in the next five years. And I love the idea of it. I know we're beta testing it right now with the intent to roll it out a little bit later this year for our agents. But, you know... Uh, how can they best prepare to be able to use the AI technology that we're trying to integrate into at properties? Super easy. They're CRM. Yeah, I think, you know, we have tremendous amount of training on how this tool is going to work. And the most important thing is that they engage, that they learn how the process works. And it's more of just paying attention. They go to their CRM and their CRM, as long as they have put in the, uh, the required information, which I think is name, address, um, phone, phone, and email. Yeah, there's a couple mm -hmm. of different pieces of information that have to be in there. 
those people will all get pulled through this um, process, and they will, and then the the process will tell them, you know, these the, these 15% of the people are you're most likely to move uh, to buy or to sell. These 25% are medium, and then the rest of them are your C's or D's. And I think it's paying attention and then really focusing. And if you if your database is telling you that these 20 people are the ones that are most likely to do something in the next three months, those are the ones that you need to focus on being in touch with right now. And then you go down the list. Once you've accomplished that, you go down to the second list um, and you hit those people as well. It's not a perfect technology, but it is going to give you uh, a, an enhanced, uh, uh, the enhanced ability to really leverage your time and focus on the people that are most likely to give you the results that you want. So I, I think it's, it's more of just engaging and making sure you're really paying attention and you're on it on a daily basis. Yeah, and just from the results of some of the the uh, agents who are in the beta group, they're already seeing the effects of it. They've already gotten, um, you know, information about who may possibly be moving. They've reached out and are already setting up listing appointments. So, you know, as you said, Mike, it may not be accurate all the time, but if it's at least gearing you towards people that you should be reaching out to and paying more attention to, it's going to be that much more impactful. And I think the one thing to note is, yes, you need full contact information for the people in your CRM, but you also need to have them ranked. Got to an A, a B, or a C. Yep. If they're a D, you will not get move score nope. information. So just to know that, get your CRM ready. I know I can't say it enough. Um, all right. So we talked about this earlier. A lot of agents are coming off of their best year. Mike, you were saying, really, if you were up 50%, you were kind of even with the market just because it performed so well. Um, how do they keep their momentum going, though? If we think that 2022 might be you know, good also, or it might slow down a bit, what can agents be doing? really just to make sure that they still have a great year, even if the market does slow down. I mean, we, we may sound like a broken record, but focus on your plan, your business plan, your marketing plan, and then make sure you're implementing it on a daily basis. It is staying on top of your database, staying in touch with your clients, marketing yourself, and doing all the things that you need to do to give yourself the best chance to generate business. You can't sit back and just wait for the phone to ring, which is what a lot of people did. And over the last year or two, the phone rang like crazy. Um, but right now, you can't sit back and wait. You have to be on top of it, proactive, working on it on a daily basis. You should be prospecting every single day, and you should be parceling time out to do it because if you don't make time to do it, it won't happen. Yeah, I think what he hit on the last one, time management, is number one. If you want to guarantee success, you have the best time management uh, in the market, meaning that you are allocating three hours a day towards prospecting your sphere of influence and diving deeper into your already existing relationships. Being more valuable to your customer post-transaction than during the transaction should be the goal. If you can be the agent that actually increases their value after the closing of every single sale, you can guarantee growth every year, even in a down market. Yeah, because we just were talking about stats that 72% of all sellers would refer or use their agent again, and 91% of all buyers would use their agent again. But the biggest problem is most of the time, after a couple of years, they don't remember who their agent was because they don't stay in contact. They said only 26% actually do use their agent again. So look at that delta. It's 50 to, what, 65%. Is the delta, and that is staying delta, in delta, touch. Delta, 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 <laughs> delta. At least it's not Omicron. 
that would be the difference, Mr. Wong. Um, but the, the difference is so huge, you know that there's a reason for it. And the reason is why people don't stay in touch. They don't, or they don't create value for themselves. They don't create visibility for themselves with their clients. And it's a long, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We've said that over and over again. Clients don't buy and then sell the next year. It's years later. So you have to have a plan that's going to engage with these people year in and year out so that when they're ready, they're thinking about you. Yeah, it's like a relationship, like a marriage. Like the best day shouldn't be wedding day, right? Right. All right. So as we wrap up this first episode of the year, which has been fun, um, any favorite stories or conversations that have come out of 2021 that are PG rated, Thad? I don't know, you know? See, I, I, I don't know if I have a specific story. I think the cool thing um, was watching a number of the people get the Rolex this year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. People that had been with us for years and years who were almost there a number of times, and they finally crossed. They had their yeah. best year ever. They worked their tail off. They engaged with your Road to the Rolex program. So it was super cool to see some of those names come up and see them achieve that, and they were so excited about it. So it's hard to pin one or two of them because we, uh, we had a lot of winners this year, which was really <laughs> cool. But, I mean, we had some that were so gratifying for us to see. Yeah. The ones that have been working on it for years and across this year, I, it's, that's always like my favorite part of the, uh, part of the year. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's always my favorite party. I would say the other piece is that I had two agents that had left the company two and one, two and one, three years ago, and they were under contract at another company and they came back, um, at the end of December. And today was the first sales meeting. And both of them texted me during the meeting about how happy they were to be back, that they missed the culture, they missed us. They were both went back to their original managing broker and they talked about those relationships and they reaffirmed our technology and our systems. They said, you know, and one said, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. Your tech is so far superior. So that started the new year right for me. And I immediately shot out text to marketing and technology during the meeting when I shouldn't have been just thanking them for everything they've developed over the last few years because they're on a high roll right now and they're doing such a good job with innovation that the agents are recognizing that and using that and you know they're they're building the future of technology and real estate right now in real time and I was just had a lot of admiration for our entire team and a lot of gratitude for the people that saw the value and the relationships and the culture uh, that inevitably brought them back. That's so cool because it's, you know, the technology is important, all the tools, everything we give for agents to be successful. But at the end of the day, it really is the relationship piece. And I think that just shows that, you know, we do really focus on the connection, the culture, the relationship. And, you know, I think that's what makes this place, you know, has always made this place so special. Yeah, joy, laughter, support. Um, being philanthropic, you know, the, the freedom and flexibility of being entrepreneurs, uh, celebrating life with each other, not just in work, but also in work-life balance. So just doing the things that, you know, what make it so enjoyable to come to work every day that you're not looking at when it ends, but you're just right. kind of happy to be a part of the process. And there's no reason to complain, right, Mike? Right. <laughs> complain about what <laughs> uh, it's 12 degrees out and you haven't talked about the weather yet today a year ago today mike would be talking about the weather all day oh my god i slipped on the way did you see how cold it is that is not true that is not true but i do it i do admit i've been no tires bro i do have snow tires 
I don't mind the snow and I don't mind the cold days, uh, but I do bitch about the gray. So I'm going to work what on you, that. What do you see outside? Uh, today is it's beautiful, sun. sunny. The Blue birds skies, are the birds. Man. The three birds are still alive or chirping that aren't frozen. We're good. <laughs> oh my God! Well, on that high note, I want to say thank you to both of you for joining me again for our first episode of 2022. Uh, we're excited to see what's uh, going to come in front of us. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening in. We'll see you next time. You are awesome, Amy. Thanks, Amy. So great to see you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.